Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for watching On the Town with Tanya. And we're here with Richard Adamson II as well today. Uh, and we're with a great musician today. Today's guest is a musician whose band has referred to themselves as the world's most dangerous band. Uh, they are known for their rhythmic and soulful, social conscious music. Please welcome David Jonathan. Hey. Peace, Hi. peace. Amani Nawaga. How are you? Light. Yes, Thank you. How are you? Thank you I'm, so much. I'm well. I'm well. Uh, coming off of a concert from last night uh, yes. for a jazz festival. Very, very, uh, very good show. <laughs> yeah, how'd that go? That was where? Where was that at? Uh, so that was in Fredonia, New York, um, at uh, the Fredonia Jazz Festival, uh, right on the campus of Fredonia, uh, which is a music uh, college or high or you know school. Wow, for up and coming aspiring musicians, artists, mm -hmm. and sort cinematic animation you name it, they do everything there. Wow, so wait, how'd you get that gig? You guys, you your band's known to fish around and see where, where you can land. Well, that's funny. Sometimes, uh, sometimes they'll come find you. Um, mm -hmm. I, did, I didn't plan for that gig. Uh, someone messaged me that is, is the president of the Fredonia Jazz Society. And uh, he says, uh, is this uh, David Jonathan of David Jonathan, the inner city Bethlehem? I said, yeah. And he says, um, I was referred your band to be a part of the jazz uh, festival. He said, I listen to your music. I think you guys are amazing. Would you be interested? And I'm like, interesting. Um, there's a backstory to that too, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. Wow. wow. That's amazing. Wow. That's amazing. Well, Congratulations. I'm glad the whole performance went well. And uh, so, so you, um, how did you get into music? How'd you start getting into music? Oh man. Um, I have been, I come from a musical family and um, I've been uh, playing drums since I was four years old. Wow. Uh, so it just, uh, my, my father and my mother, we didn't have, um, uh, like, you know, most most families have a some kind of a entertainment system in their living room, like a TV, a big TV. We didn't have a big TV. My dad had a complete sound stereo system, six speakers, record player, everything. And so literally my whole childhood, I he music would come out of our house every day, seven days a week for years. How inspiring. How inspiring. Yeah. And, and how did you get the band uh, together? Say again. How'd you get the band together? Oh, well, like getting, the ba getting the band together was, uh, I had a couple of, you know, I was trying to feel my way through, you know, what I really wanted to talk about and what I really wanted to say. And um, uh, due to my interaction with uh, law enforcement uh, back in 2019, I changed the messaging of where I was coming from because I realized that the uh, what's going on in our world and our society from then and as well up to now uh, mm -hmm. needed to be uh, spoken to. And, um, you know, I always looked at it as if, if it's 150 years after, you know, we all pass, you know, somebody's going to look back and say, well, what did the messenger say about uh, January 6th? What did the messenger say about uh, ra racism? Um, all these things that are going on. And I said, I know it's not popular. I know it's not going to land me on the top Billboard 100, but you know, um, I feel better about making music that means something. Right. You you know, going, going through what you went through with the the, the um, law enforcement, um, you can't elaborate on that because in listening to your music, I've listened to a lot of your music, uh, Brother David. And by Thank the you, way, I, I, I want to say Harambe, my brother, Harambe. Hey, um, let's go. But I listen to a lot of <laughs> Yeah, I listen to a lot of your music and I can hear your experience. Yeah. And that's one of the things that drew me to um, your message, you know, because I strongly believe that musicians are messengers, good or bad, you know. Right. And so, you know, I wanted to ask if you care to elaborate on that because I could hear experience um, in your music and it kind of makes you say, man, I want to have a conversation with this brother. I want to talk yeah. to this brother. <laughs> so if, if you want to, if you can, if you want to elaborate on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this is, you know, I feel like this story needs to be uh, talked about. So the more I talk about it, uh, the more I'm healed from it. And um, mm -hmm. last night was a was a part of that healing as well. And this is where 
I said that we'll explain the story. So um, in 2018, I was doing, I was touring up and down the East Coast with a uh, a popular, a pretty popular blues artist. And uh, we were playing all from Maine all the way down 95 to Florida. Um, mm. And and I love those guys, you know, um, but I noticed that the places that we went to play the blues, mm-hmm. um, there was a tremendous amount of uh, confusion for me because, you know, you go into an amphitheater or a place you're playing 20,000 people and, you know, blues music is one of the very culture roots music of black people and brown people. Um, you know, we sang it out of, uh, out of pain, you know, mm-hmm. um, and um, I would go to these concerts and look out into the audience and 95% of the crowd was, was white. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the way I was seeing uh, blues music presented, the way I was seeing blues music performed with other artists within it made me see that there was a uh, almost. It made it almost look like, uh, like uh, white people, for lack of a better term, uh, were, you know, almost like blues was their music, mm-hmm. and and I just couldn't settle that because I knew better. You know, my my grandfather was a blues pianist. Um, he loved very much uh, listening to BB King and, you know, Howlin' Wolf and all these different, uh, you know, people. We can just go down the list. And um, long story short, um, I started to come away from that group because I also saw Confederate flags at those concerts. Mm -hmm. And that furthermore, my confusion. And then uh, one day we're we're in Chicago um, for a blues uh, concert that uh, or a blues festival that uh, B.B. King's daughter was actually uh, putting on. And. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she wanted to take a picture of me and uh, and she and I said, you know, I said, I couldn't help but to notice. I said, well, there's a I said, there's probably 50 black people here in the audience out of a 20,000 people. And I mean, I, it's like they're peppered in. And um, mm-hmm. she said, yeah, that's true. And she says, uh, so my question is, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. And and that's that's literally mind you never met this woman. This is B.B. King's daughter, for God's sake. She's royalty. Uh, she said that to me. So when I came home, I started doing cover tunes under inner, inner city Bedlam's name, but I was doing more like um, the optimistic, you know, you can win as long as you keep, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Curtis Mayfield, Donnie Hathaway covers, oh, yes. you know, darkness mm-hmm. of light with the moon shining bright. You know, like I wanted, I wanted to bring mm-hmm. back dumb old jams. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, one day I did Gil Scott here and the revolution will not be televised. And um, I got kicked out of, uh, I got banned from this venue that was literally a stone's throw from my mother's old neighborhood in the projects because they gentrified that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so all these things were building. And then the thing that put me over the edge to create this band in this manner was um, I'm coming back from an area near where I had the jazz festival last night, Mm -hmm. right off the same highway, about, about five miles down the road, I'm coming back late night from doing a casino gig with that old band I used to play with. Mm. And I get pulled over by the police uh, late night. Now, you know, at this time I had a, uh, a red ch- uh, Cherokee and uh, I had some light tents all within legal standard, you know, mm-hmm. nothing in the car illegal, nothing like that. Three 30 mm-hmm. in the morning. And uh, they asked me to step out the car. You know, he asked me that, you know, I'm pretty much, I look like a drug dealer coming through a rural community in the middle of the night. And what are you doing here, black guy, 3.30 in the morning? Uh, and after they saw how big I was when they asked me out the car, you know, big guy tall, you know, I think that's when they, you know, immediately, you know, I'm, I'm bigger than the both of these dudes, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, okay, you know, this this we would have our hands full with this and, you know, put me, all of a sudden everything became nervous, put your hands on the hood and, you know, it became more aggressive and just started to to rise. And I'm still being mm-hmm. as, as calm as you're hearing me talk to you right now as the calm as I was talking. Yes, sir. I'm complying. And uh, he had put his knee between my uh, my legs as my hands are on my truck um, to, you know, guess to see if, you know, if I had anything, you got any needles in the stick, me, blah, 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 blah. We were going through all this 
I'm like, mm -hmm. no, sir, I don't. And um, I try to readjust myself, you know, just because I'm I'm standing in an awkward position. And he literally said, what are you doing? Uh, uh, don't move. I said, don't move. And next thing you know, I'm on the ground face first, uh, nose bloody, mouth bloody. Um, mm -hmm. And um, they're handcuffing me behind my back and asking me not to resist. Um, mm -hmm. I was very confused because, you know, if anybody wasn't resisting, it would be me. Anybody could tell you that knows me, you know, will tell you that. And, yeah. um, you know, that event and then another car pulled up and I couldn't see where they pulled up. For. I just know it was like near my right side. Uh, and it was another officer, set of officers. And, you know, I'm sitting here handcuffed on the ground and they're tearing up my my truck. I mean, they're they're going through my truck, you know, trying to see if I have drugs. They ripped mm -hmm. off the panel of my uh, dashboard. Uh, uh, they ripped out the back portion of my the plastic part where you, if you are in the back seat, you want to kick somebody's seat in front of you. They ripped right. off my panel, looking for all the, you know, trying to see if they could find anything on me. Nothing. Mm -hmm. And um, I told them, you know, from the ground, I told you there ain't nothing to find. Well, that doesn't explain where you're coming from. I'm like, well, I don't have drums in the car because the place I was playing at already had a backline drum set. Mm -hmm. But um, they, you know, instead of hearing any of that, so then they realize, I hear the guy says, well, we ain't got nothing on this dude. I hear him talking, you know, but I just stay down there and stay still. Um, they uncuff me and he tells me to spread my hands out. And I have my hands spread out and he says, now don't move. And literally my head's on the ground. So I can't, you know, I can't see peripheral, mm -hmm. you know. And then uh, from that point, I hear the car slam door and pull off. The other car slammed, pull off. Now I'm in the middle of a rural town here in crickets and I'm scared to get up because I'm, I'm worried if, you know, if I'm going to turn into a hashtag myself. Um, mm -hmm. That was one of four other incidents. And they, the reason they initially pulled me over was for a license plate nightlight. Hmm, and right. um, I cover that in the song white privilege um, on 400, uh, you know, mm -hmm. pulled over five times in five nights. So yeah, license plate nightlights put on the ground yeah. in the South town. Yeah. So, you know, once that happened and I cleaned myself up, it was like, do I make, do I go to the media? Do I, you know, this is not even reported. There's nothing. I can't even prove this happened, mm -hmm. but it happened. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. not the first time it's happened in, in the group of my friends or my people. But once again, the yeah. news media only cover what they talk about. So I said, okay, I have to, I have to rethink about what I'm doing here. No more covers. I quit all the bands I was playing in. Uh, everybody thought I was uh, losing my mind, you know, like, oh, no, you're you're committing career suicide. You'll, you know, you, you'll never play in this town again. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, um, you know, then I had, you know, like I said, for lack of a better word, uh, peed off the people who uh, I did Gil Scott Heron with. Now I'm labeled as being controversial just because mm -hmm. and and them people that went to those people did that because they felt like, you know, I'm not speaking truth. You know, and I'm using music as a weapon. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So as it stands now, yes, I am using music using music as a weapon now because I was getting ready to say, what's wrong with that? Exactly, right. isn't that what all art is about? I mean, all, all I mean, all forms. If I write a film, usually it's not. Some people write garbage or just whatever, but usually it's because there's something that I want to bring to the front forefront. Right. If I sing a song, it's because my soul thinks that that song needs to be sung. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, that. Right. I, I don't feel like, you know, and I've had this situation. I don't feel like I should have to tuck in my Black Lives Matter shirt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But why yeah. am I being made to feel like I should when I step out into a place because you, you know, you're giving me the, the smack of teeth because you don't agree with what I'm saying. So now do I just say, ah, uh, forget it? Or do I write a song about it? I would say write a song about it. You know why? Because... <laughs> Yeah. You know why I say that? Because, you know, what doesn't make sense to me, and, and I thank you so much for sharing your story, because what thank doesn't you. make sense to me is that you asked us tuck in a Black Lives Matter shirt, which is not hate speech, but if there's songs calling Black women hoes, nobody says nothing. Exactly. Nobody. Thank you. Thank you. Me, me and my manager, we just had this discussion about how the N-word is monopolized mm -hmm. and, uh, and monetized to be mm -hmm. just something underneath, you know, my, the party and BS, as you know, you know, it, we, mm -hmm. we'll fund we'll fund that all day because they know they're going to get click streams, everything else. 
They suck mm-hmm. the artist dry and the industry as it is. You can, it's hard to make a, a buck as it is to sell. Mm-hmm. Nobody digests music the way they should. They used no. to anymore. So because of that, when you see what they're giving us on streaming, they just want to profit off of the culture of which we've inspired every genre, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not. Right. You know, and, you know, it should never be that. It should be, okay, I can appreciate everybody's unique perspective to the conversation but mm-hmm. unfortunately that's that's not what we got yeah um, you, well you hit on a lot of um prevalent things i'm sorry that happened to you um that also happened to me as well i i, I actually beat up beat up literally me mm-hmm. and that's when i was like a size six at that so i was like mm-hmm. i was like what and with a pair of uh with leggings on so there's nothing that you can tell i don't have a gun but it mm-hmm. was because one lady screamed through a bulletproof glass that's why so it's a wow. long story short, but I totally, I totally feel you, and I know the exact feeling you felt when that was happening. Because I felt like literally I was beaten like a runaway slave, and I felt like one. I literally went back to the ancestors for that moment and said, "Oh my God, is this what they had to endure? How horrible is this? Like how? I mean, it was it. It mind boggles me to this day. So I, I feel bad that you still went through that because mine was about I don't know, 12, thirteen years ago. I don't know. It's been a long time. And so I can't imagine right now someone having that happen last year, someone having that happen, you know, Rodney King and all of them. Those are just little microcosms of whatever, Mm -hmm. George Floyd's microcosm. And when I saw that, I said, that's me. That was me. Only difference. And I was having an asthma attack. Only thing that saved my life was one of the cops, which was when I noticed they were cops because she had a uniform on. Um, Mm -hmm. She said, we better get her pump because if they wouldn't have got my pump, I'd be dead. I don't have asthma at that time, I'd be dead because they were just right, I, right. And for nothing, when I tell you for nothing, for nothing, nothing. I've never committed a crime. In fact, I help criminals decriminalize. It's like, of yeah. all people, I just spoke with a senator on, on with something else on national television. Do you think he would have a criminal or a cop leader speaking with him? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's certain things that you just have to use your common sense. And when mm-hmm. I told the guy, I said, run my prints, what's going to come up is Mother Teresa. And they laughed. They said, yeah, right. They all say that. I said, I'm just telling you. And then when he ran him, I heard him through the wall saying, holy stoop, she's right. 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 She's like, she's helped all these kids and did it. I was like, I told you, you wasted your whole time and you gave me a beating for not like, for nothing. For nothing. Yeah. So and I, I, I wish, I wish, I wish this was like not a regular point of conversation because you know, my, uh, it has too close to me. My, my cousin, um, rest in peace. Uh, he has, he had, uh, uh, not bipolar, but he had um, schizophrenia, diagnosed mm-hmm. schizophrenic. And um, sometimes he, if he had some episodes, you know, he was having a mental health crisis, but not mm-hmm. a criminal crisis. Right. And uh, he was having a mental health crisis and they arrested him, denied him his meds. And uh, he had a heart attack in custody. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know what else they did to him. Um I have one of my best friends that passed away uh, about maybe 10 years. Well, not saying the whole 10 years now, but maybe six years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was coming into knowledge of himself and uh, and was really just changing his life around and everything and really was doing a, just a phenomenon. He, he, one of my best friends, we had so many great conversations. Uh, somebody uh, falsely called the police on him about something that was completely untrue. And uh, they arrested him and denied him as albuterol. Um, Passed away no. in police custody. Mm-hmm. You know, and okay. nobody's winning any, any suits after the fact. No civil suits. You know, there's mm-hmm. no Benjamin Crump coming to the, to these events. It's of too many. Not. It's no. too many to count. Too yeah, many it is. It is. And, and that you never even hear of. Right. <laughs> that, that's the sad part. And not, But I mean, I mean, it's just crazy. But I think music is one way of getting all that out and and also helping other people who may have gone through the same thing and think they're the only ones. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I would like to play a clip actually, and, and then you know, if you have a question, uh, but I, I would like to play a clip just so they can have an idea of why, why you're noted as controversial. Uh, <laughs> so you don't mind if I play a clip, do you? Please go for it. All right, guys, hang out for one second. Yep. Fair use. And present, let's see if I can get this right. Share my screen or video, share my screen. No. Yeah, is that right? Oh God, I hope they did that right. Let's pray. Here it is. Okay. <laughs> okay, I got it right. Yay, Tanya scores. She wins. All right, here there we go. go. <laughs> 
Cool, yeah, yeah, great stuff. Great stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'd I like, like to hear and I like collusion. Yeah, yeah. Like hear the whole piece of that. That's I, I like the melodies of it and everything. It's just, yeah, nice. Your, your yeah. band is amazing, amazing. Horns, everything, it's amazing. Yeah, but Rich, go ahead if you wanted to ask something. I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. yeah, no, I just wanted to say, you know, one of the, one of the other songs I like was collusion, but you know. I may listening to to your um testimony, uh, Dave, and um, you know, I knew about Tanya's situation and I knew you were gonna learn about that when we did the show. So mm -hmm. that's why I didn't mention it because I wanted Tanya to share it. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> just as a, a black human being who embraces all art, you know, that's why I sent you that clip of the Doobie brothers the other day, because um your band somewhat reminds me of them. Yeah. Um, but I'm a, I, you know, I'm I'm a former abs well not former, but I'm an abstract artist. Mm -hmm. And um, I embrace all art, but the color of my skin. Uh, people don't know what we go through. Like right. when I leave my house, I have to wear. You know, my father was shot by the police mm. twice. In his chest. It's just the prayers of my grandmother. He didn't die. Um, two other gentlemen were just recently killed in my city uh, by the police. One about four years ago. Another one about a couple of months ago. Um, and my music. When, you know, when I was doing hip hop, it came from pain because people don't understand that whether you, you know, people compare where you come from, this hood, and you come from Buffalo. I mean, that that's as real as it gets. But It's real, bro. Yeah, no, matter where, no matter where you come from, your skin color is what it is. And I know for me, there's so many things I have to be worried about. Being killed by the police, being killed mm -hmm. by somebody that looks at looks like me. Mm -hmm. Being falsely accused of something which has happened to me before, um, and because of what you look like, people all, all automatically think, "Oh, he must be guilty, or he must have did it. He must have beat that person up. He must have, you know." And so, um, your music speaks to a very real element that's in our world, right? And I think that sometimes that creates fear. Oh yeah. Because when you have music that good, but that truthful, right? You know, um, I just think that it um, it 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 does something to the atmosphere. I know that I had um, a song where I, I I made I made a statement in that song, and I said, um, "My emotions is real when I'm rocking the mic with real life. Sometimes I cry when I write." Mm, yeah. And so I wanted to ask you. When you're writing, what happens? Mm. Mm. <sighs> Man, Rich bringing that heat. Sorry, yeah, when I was an MC, you know. Yeah, I think I, I go through a, a, a myriad of, a, of emotions. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a weirdo because, <laughs> you know, my whole life I've always. Uh, I've always had a vivid imagination. My mom, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, once again, I grew up in a house with uh, with a stereo system every day of my mm -hmm. existence until the mm -hmm. point that I moved out of my home to go be a man in life. Mm -hmm. So um, I've always looked at art and music in a way because I, I need to feel something. Or if I'm going to write, I need to feel from that place. Um, yeah. So I've, I've had... Like when I wrote Simple Love Song, that made me smile mm -hmm. because um, to encourage black love is something I think uh, mm. black men and black women are, are put against each other. Um, yes. And yes. it's no different than the um, 
um, the Willie Lynch, you know, kind of uh, systemic mindset that mm-hmm. wants to make uh, the black woman to be angry and the black man to be, you know, ain't, you know what, you know, and, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and vice versa. So we, we never come on a one accord to be, to unify. Um, and, and so simple love song for me was to make, bring that unity back mm-hmm. um, that in this struggle of life that we're living together and this existence that only you and I understand because mm-hmm. we look alike mm-hmm. that we should have common ground to understand each other mm-hmm. and hear each other. You know, mm-hmm. we, we should have therapy, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, whereas writing a song like agent orange um, or even writing a song like I'm going home in the morning train. Mm-hmm. Um, Love that, that it, it was almost similar to how uh, Wade in Water, you know, is given instructions on what on what's happening as well. Not just the song to talk about, you know, but um, Morning Train is almost like talking about return to the motherland. Um, mm. Since you want us to go back to Africa, why not? You know, <laughs> and for a lot of people, that's that that's a, that's a that's so that's a that's a long conversation, right? Because yeah. there's what does that look like now? Here. Right. Sorry. What does it, it no? No, you're right. What is it? Especially, what does it look like to people who have never touched there? So that might make me cry. Um, um, that might make me uh, imagine what 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 it would be like to be elsewhere. Fantasy, fantasize, and and it's like what only thing you're left to do is to fantasize at times because some of these things you're not able to put action to because of shaking the boat to too crazy and recklessly makes people react in a certain way. Uh, so I'm, I've, I've had to cry. I've had to smile. I've laughed. I've done some more crying. Um, you know, I've been furious at times. Um, and it makes me, it, it continues to put the battery in my back to keep making music like this. Mm-hmm. It, it must be very empowering to, to make music that, that speaks to other people's, not just your soul, but to other people's soul. Cause that, right. I think that's what your gift is about is, is inspiring or encouraging or uplifting somebody in some way, you know, whether it's a piece of art, whether it's a song, um, whether it's a p- beautiful piece of woodwork, I mean, whatever, you know, whatever medium we use um, it's very crucial. And I'm hoping, you know, that's why I'm going for the SAG and the writer strike and all that stuff, because mm. we can't let all this technology get in the way of real, like I like a live band. That, that's what I love about your band, that you guys actually play instruments and you're mm-hmm. not programming. So you could do that too. And it's I okay could. because you're talented and you really have the skill of the other, then I would take it from you. But if you if you just come mm-hmm. in like with this and you have never played an instrument, I have a little bit of problem with that. No, I feel you. So I was a beat maker first, right? And uh, I, I would make beats. Mm-hmm. I was a producer making all these tracks and Really? Uh, I would literally give CDs of beats out out my back window uh, in my old neighborhood, or when mm-hmm. I would go to New York City, get off of Port Authority, I'm downtown, and you know everybody got their beats. Yo, fam, come check out my come check out my yo. You gotta listen to this. This is the hot stuff, you know. And <laughs> I was trying to do that and just give out instrumentals, but then I noticed that there was a, a change in the early 2000s where everybody was doing the same music. Nobody was collectively yes. sampling. Like at least to, to my knowledge, they already got lazy. And I said, well, yeah. I'm going to flip it into this live music thing, you know, because if I can make you feel like the like it's a movie. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like when you, when you look at the, uh, when you watch any uh, movie at the theater and dun, 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 they got the clouds coming out. Like you like, whoa. Yeah. You, you yeah. know, you like, you take a deep breath. And that's yeah. all, honestly, a psychological trick that they get you ready for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So if you will take that and apply it to music itself Mm -hmm. and care about the nuance about the flute coming in at this certain special part, now you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, man, that feel like that feel like uh, some good food right there. Yes. Yeah. But you know what? What you just mentioned, that's science. There's a science part. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm a we must be family because uh, (laughs) me and Tanya laugh about this all the time because (laughs) me and Tanya, we me and Tanya know we're different. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Me and Tanya is different. We, <laughs> um, I've always considered, I've been considered weird. You know what I mean? But I always embraced it because, see, as a black man, I don't want to be afraid to be different. 
Right. Because then I can't embrace myself. But the science behind music is how to tap into different parts of the brain. There's a lot of movies that I used to watch and I used to sample from um, simply because of the music. Like you might laugh at this, but I was a sci-fi fanatic, right? Um, <clears throat> I remember there was a scene in, in the original Godzilla where they were using the radars in the submarines and the helicopters to seek him out where he was at. <laughs> and the trumpets and the strings that they used, I actually took that and I put it in the song. I That's took fire. Song. Yeah, I took it from Black Belt Jones and I put it in the song. Yeah. So um, one of the things that very few people, and, and I wanted to ask you about, about that because I could see that spiritually you're a free black man just by the way you dress, just by the way you talk, just by embracing you. Thank you, man. One of the things I, I went through, Tanya and only a handful of others were the only people that were able to accept me for who I was mm -hmm. um, as far as being an abstract artist and being a black man who expresses himself, himself and still be masculine. Right. Um, I had a hard time with that as an artist. A lot of people did not want to sign me or give me the time of day. In fact, Tanya was the first one to give me an interview because wow. a lot of my music was about expressing like uh the song that i sent you the valley yes, sir. rise head to the sky it was about pain but it yeah. was about real emotions mm -hmm. and they were like how could you be a black man six foot tall ex ex wanting to express yourself but i grew up with that i grew up with people wanting me to be quiet because i was a black male and i wanted to ask you you know from one artist to another because tanya and i have had many talks about this um what was it like for you as, cause I would consider you an abstract artist, at, but at the same time, realism too. Right. What was it like being as unique as you are as a man? How did that, how did that impact you with the opposite sex? How did that impact you with the world? How did that impact you just mm. with your surroundings? Mm. Oh man, God, Rich, you ain't God. I should have told you all about the church. Ha. That's church. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't tell you. So, that. Rich, you good at that, man. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, and that's that nobody's ever asked me that. Nobody's mm -hmm. ever asked me that. Um, yeah. Welcome to On the Town with Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Do a drop right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm sorry. Yeah. That. Um, mm -hmm. My childhood was very interesting because. Um, I grew up the first five years of my life um, in the Kenville Langfield projects. And um, that's on the east side of Buffalo. Um, I have memories of living in those bricks. I call I would call it the brick prison. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because when you came into Kenfield Langfield, uh, like uh, Kenfield Langfield was considered to be the better looking projects. Mm hmm. You feel me? And mm -hmm. Kenfield was the bricks, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I came up, I remember seeing things um, all the way till I was five. My mom would always try to keep me from staying on the stoop because, you know, all type, you could get catch a stray bullet on the stoop. Mm -hmm. Mind mm -hmm. your business. Um, once we moved over to my, my mom was, was uh, working for a hospital and mm -hmm. uh, was making it. My dad, my dad was retiring. And so they put their money together and moved to a, another section of town where honestly we were only uh, one of three black families. And, right. you know, it was seemed to be a more affluent. Um, but within two years time, crack came through that neighborhood and destroyed it. Yes. But my dad was adamant about not uh, moving because this is now something that has his name is his first property he's ever owned. You know, you know, he don't want to yeah. abandon his home because the neighborhood's getting bad. He just figured if I protect what's mine, you know, mm -hmm. then we stand here at this house. We brought this house. We stand. And um, I you know, school was a stone's throw for me. But even though school was a, a short distance, it was the scariest short distance walk I would mm -hmm. take. Because mind you, my mom would get me up in the morning for school and she would recite affirmations to me. She would be like, okay, uh, stand up straight. All right, you got your book bag, you got your this, okay. And she'd be like, uh, you're a beautiful black man. Repeat after me. And I'll say, yeah, I'm a beautiful black man. And you got to turn the world upside down. I'd be like, I'm going to turn the world upside down. And she'd give me this speech, mm -hmm. man. 
<laughs> and I go, I go out and get beat up, headed mm-hmm. to school, bro. You get up, you get, run your lunch money. You know, I didn't fit in. You know, because I was once I was this whimsical kid that it, you know people would punch me in the face because I was articulate and my parents would teach me better words so that you know somebody might say, uh, "Man, that's I, man." You know the word I'm trying to say, and I don't, I don't even know. And I said. Uh, and I would say something crazy like, uh, you know, oh, you mean that you weren't um, you weren't uh, audibly transmitting? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what? Audibly tra- Man, give me your money, man. Give me your money. So, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I didn't understand yet, mm-hmm. you know. Um, wow. And once I started fighting back, it was the best. It was the worst and best day in my life because. I fought back because I had to, you know, my dad wasn't going to always be able to walk me to school, you know, right. I couldn't depend on, on the neighbor on the stoop down the street mm-hmm. on their porch mm-hmm. to look out for me. Cause they looking out for their other kid. Because once they saw the other kid got to school, they going inside. Right. Right. And the boys might be waiting. So right. either I'm going to have to mm-hmm. fight and figure this thing out or I'm going to, I'm going to keep getting sunned. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I started fighting right. back, right. but then, that fight led to anger. Right. And because I had to do it, but it led to some respect. And so I started believing that the only way I'm gonna get respect is by knuckling up every time. I became See, good I'm at so fighting. Glad you said mm-hmm. right. I'm so glad you said good at I'm so glad you said that. Because a lot of people, you know, me me and Tanya were colleagues in the substance abuse counseling field. And mm-hmm. we, you know, we encountered a lot of people. You know, I worked in the jail system and a lot of homes and therapeutic communities. And a lot of people just assume that black men want to be gangsters and want to be tough, but they don't understand that we're taught that if we express our emotions, we're considered weak and can even be targeted. Right. Right. So there's another message that we're, that we're given that we have to be tough. We have to be violent. We have to be, you know, and we can't, we can't show a sign of, of weakness. weakness. So I'm, I'm glad that you're talking about this. Yeah. And see, once again, these are things that are not more talked about. And to be honest with you, it's what led me eventually into street life activity. Mm. Because it mm-hmm. was like, that area became engrossed with it. Everybody did it. Everybody right. in my class, my graduating class in grade school, like I'll say 80% of my class is alive or, or, or dead, excuse me. 20% mm. are probably left from wow. the old neighborhood that are not either in jail mm-hmm. or you know, or, you know, or in the ground. Yeah. See, you know? that's, 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 um, that's so hard. I mean, it, all the more the better to write songs with for later, but right. while you're in the height of it as a kid, um, how traumatized I was the one that used to beat up bullies. I didn't like bullies. <laughs> it's like, Oh really? And that's my friend. Yeah. Do it to me. Uh, so I'm, <laughs> I'm that person, but, um, and that's cause I was an angry little foster kid. <laughs> that's right. why. So it wasn't because I was a black girl, it was because I was a foster kid. Right. Uh, but but um, I just always felt like, I don't know, if I if I know I'm living in a bad neighborhood, and I did, when, when I moved to Brooklyn, and when it got bad, and I started hearing shootouts, and my, my kids started ducking, and every time she heard a gunfire, I was like, this is not normal. So I Same left. Mm-hmm. I left and moved back and moved to the suburbs uh, because I was like, I ain't doing this. Now, some people cru- crucified me for it, said, why are you going to leave? I am not stupid. I'm not staying anywhere. I don't care what color the area is that has gunfire or that has anything that my daughter should not have a normal response to. Right. You know what I'm saying? So people are gawking at her and trying to touch her. I'm not letting her go to that school. There's Mm -hmm. no way. It's never going to happen. So I knew I wasn't going to put my kids on a bus to go girls to go to school by themselves in the city. (laughs) You must be crazy. So that's me as a parent. I always tell parents, I don't care how, how broke you are. Um, if you have kids, especially today, if I had a, an African-American boy, you better believe there's no way. Certain things, there's no places, certain places I would never live. And there's right. certain things we just ain't doing because I need to give him a chance like every other kid has a chance. Right. And, and so it's, I know sometimes you can't. Like you said, your dad bought his home. I have both that's, my, you know, I have both my parents. I know. When, so that that's, goes to show you sometimes it don't even matter. That doesn't matter. You're, the, the, what's around you right. is going to affect, you know, if I'm if I'm at school for seven to eight hours out of the day, right? My, both my parents are working. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. a latchkey kid. You feel right. me? At eight years old. Yeah. So 
you know, you I'm facing responsibilities that that, you know, most kids wouldn't have to do. But my parents had to because my mom's working. My dad is is busting his butt, mm-hmm. you know. So even regardless of having two parents, I still got into trouble later, especially my teenage years mm-hmm. because of the environment I lived in. Right. That's a very Did important music. Thing. Save you. Yeah, Absolutely. Amazing. Absolutely. You know, people people say that, but I feel like that's really cliche, you know, like, you know. I have so many memories tied around my whole upbringing of have my dad sometimes would uh he had a vinyl I still have it he has a vinyl of Martin Luther King's speech I have a dream and mm-hmm. sometimes he would play it and he cried mm-hmm. and I didn't understand why you know I knew dad cried because Martin Luther King is not here mm-hmm. but I didn't know he cried because you know, he understand he, my father was an older man. He was, he was born in 1924 mm-hmm. in Arkansas. Mm. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, well, and, and before that he was in, in Trinidad and Tobago uh, with my father or my, my grandfather, excuse me. So my grandfather was angry because of having a, to flee a situation to come mm-hmm. to the States, have his kids in Arkansas, you know, uh, farming. My dad had to come out of school at third grade, you know, so his education stopped there. You know, mm-hmm. he couldn't finish on it. Just wasn't it wasn't for him to do. So when we're talking about, you know, 1924 coming up in the Jim Crow South, mm-hmm. you know, at the at the heart of segregation, at the heart of, you know, I have another song coming out called "Stay Low," uh, mm-hmm. where you know he was telling me him and my grandfather would tell me about times they had to get off the side of the road at nighttime when they saw. Um, lights coming down the street because they knew that they were coming uh, they, to hurt them because they were of the color of the skin. Mm-hmm. You know, so stay low, you know, stay low to, mm-hmm. stay, to stay alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, you know, I can't believe the time it is already, guys. Um, and I have so many more questions. Um, Rich, do you want to have another question? Did we just freeze? Um, well, I think you're frozen. I'm frozen. That's not good. That's not a good sign. Um, so you can see me. Everything's fine. Yeah, you're just stuck in this this pose, like <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck in the abyss of I don't know. This has never happened. <laughs> that would make a great album cover. Scared to see what it looks like. Because you're doing your thing. Oh my no. gosh. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know why we're stuck. <laughs> so ask another question, Rich, if you like. I I wanted to ask about the 400 album though. Because that's what we were. Really oh yeah, doing. go ahead. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Ask him about that. Because yeah. I want to hear about ask, um, How did you come about with this album, and, and who's on it? Anybody uh, know? So four four hundred. Uh, that's that's once again four hundred is probably the most gritty work I I have to date because four hundred is a gut punch. You know, mm-hmm. um, just by the titles alone. You know, white privilege. Uh, no reparations. Ode mm. to despair. Um, it's it's uh, it's it's kind of, and in the beginning it's kind of like the overture, you know, where you're hearing, you know, these news clips and things that I did sample uh, for, you know, trying to paint the picture of what's going on since the Watts riots all the way up to, you know, the 1994 uh, crime bill and. All these things that kind of change the course of direction for for black and brown people, even unto this day. Um, 400 took me a five or six year odyssey to write um, because I wanted to make sure I got it right. Um, and if I was going to put something out, I had already been working on ideas, but then it's like when all those things happened to me in, in 2019, it pushed me. It gave me that that push to go ahead and. And get this thing expedited expeditiously, as T.I. would say, um, to get it done um, because it, it just necessary. That work had to breathe. Uh, 400, of, of course, is a catalog in the 400 year anniversary of the transatlantic slave trade and all the different various forms of music genre that came over on those boats. You know, so that's your Zydeco. That's, you know, that's where crawfish and jambalaya is. That's your blues. That's your, you know, morning train. That's a blues. Um, simple love song. That's the R and B. You know, uh, trying, we got straight ahead jazz in there. We have uh, kind of like a avant garde jazz in there as well. So, 
sampling comes from hip hop, you know, then we do have hip hop at the end in a conscious manner. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, 400 kind of came out of those things. The players on that yeah. album are all Buffalo born and bred uh, players, except for a simple love song. I had a producer friend of mine named Tony Castillo out of uh, Florida and Orlando. Uh, we worked and did some stuff together to make that happen, but everybody else uh, were Buffalo born and raised. Oh, okay, yeah. Listen, I'm a big fan of Buffalo. Shout out to Young Pharaoh. Hey, um, Young Pharaoh, what's up, boy? You know, yes, yes. Um, there's there's a lot of great stories that come out of Buffalo. I'm looking for, you know, TV to do um to do like like a show, like they did for the Wire, like they did on uh for that show, the do it out of Buffalo. stuff like that. They, yeah, do it out of Buffalo because there's really a lot of struggle that that needs to be talked about and even in the suburbs you know i tell people all hoods are not in the boroughs and in the city like no. you know you got places like mount vernon yonkers white plains oh you yeah know, show that but they have their areas you know not um, yet. the family members that are yeah they, listen yeah. they have their areas and the mistake that we as people make is we compare but i love your open-mindedness to music because um the group the impressions curtis mayfield Yes, sir. I did a lot of listening to Curtis Mayfield to come up with my music. You know, mm -hmm. um, like uh, there's a song that he has called This Must End, but one of my favorite songs by Curtis Mayfield is Darker Than Blue. Darker we than people blue. who are darker than blue. Yes, yeah, so we're going to stand around this town and, and, and let what others say come true. We're just good for nothing. They all figure. Mm -hmm. You know, so I've always been on this mission. And that's why when I met you, I was like, wow, you know, you know, where, where, where was Dave in the nineties when everybody was condemning me for being a man who expresses himself? <laughs> the name of our group was, and label was called ESP, Emotional Studio Productions, meaning mm -hmm. that everything that we express is real, is what we really right. feel. You know, it's a fact that you feel, everything you feel is not a fact, but you know, what we, what we were feeling um, was what we were really expressing. And right. so I always had that fight of people saying, you're never going to make it. Even young ladies that I was dating. And that's why I asked you that question, because me being a black man who was masculine, but um, had a desire to express himself, um, I always you called help. I called help. Yeah, I called help you saw for, for being the son of... Right. Yeah. Right. But it's like we're always asked to prove our masculinity through sex, money, or violence. And then we wonder why we're producing the young men that you see in the streets now. Why is it that somebody would rather join the Crips or the Bloods than go to church or go to college? Right. You know what I'm saying? Because not enough David Jonathans are being promoted. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're, not, we're not supporting the David Jonathans. We're not supporting the Tanyas. Right. You know, who doesn't have a podcast about slander and about whose wife is cheating or whose husband is Cheating, right. whose husband is cheating. We're talking about issues that people need to hear. Yes. You and know? let me tell you, bro. But let I, me I'm sorry. Bro, I'm sorry. You just touched, mm -hmm. you hit a nerve. Um, the other side, they already mm -hmm. got plans. They already, they have a sense of unity too when certain things hit the fan. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, and you know I'm not, yeah, I'm not making this up. If our people don't mm -hmm. don't figure that unity thing out sooner, much more mm -hmm. than later, and stop being so many uh, Indians, it shouldn't matter even the religious backgrounds. We should all be able to understand that we look like this, bro. Right. So right. let's so let's let's put the swords down and let's designate. Mm -hmm. Let's teach our our young people skills that they could take for life instead of just saying. Oh, you know, we, I mean, we're wait till we see the the, the women are going to look like in their sixties that are they they are insecure, so they have to get surgery, you know, to to look like the the next YouTube model. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah. Why are we doing yeah, it? You know. Yeah, yeah, you know what? But we we train not not us, but we as a society, we train people to not be themselves. And this leads people to their graves. And that's why when you see artists like yourself, um, who's not afraid to be themselves, 
and and express a message, it's like to me, it's a breath of fresh air. I'm like, man, we you know, um, we need to nurture brothers like that. Because, yeah. like I said, I had two parents too. You know what I'm saying? And I grew up in what's considered a suburb, you know what I'm saying? Um, even though it wasn't a real suburb, but uh even with both parents, you know, my father after getting shot by the police and then coming out of jail, he changed his life. He got off drugs and he actually became a preacher. And I was so used to a lot of people trying to create my narrative for me because mm-hmm. um, because of where I came from and, and you know, the religious label. You know, I got beat up just sometimes because I went to church. People throwing rocks at me on right. the church. That's you, crazy. You know, um, but I wanted to ask before we wrap up, um, Tanya's still here. She's just having a few technical difficulties. But where can we buy the album? Where can the album be purchased, and where will you be? be where you will be performing next? Well, so uh, we just got finished with the Fredonia Jazz Festival last night. Uh, once again, shout out to the Jazz Society of Fredonia for uh, putting that together. Um, I ran into the president of the uh, Black Student Union there last night as well. And it uh, looks like they're mm-hmm. going to have us back in March um, to oh, do good. some things there. So that's going to be uh, upcoming um, November 11th. We're at Town Ballroom in Buffalo, New York, a big venue okay. um, for a thing called Fall Ball. And uh, mm-hmm. Fall Ball is going to be a big uh, 10 bands on two stages. Um, we're going on at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on November 11th for an hour set. Um, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be in the big room. So, uh, you know, please get your tickets, www.innercitybedlam.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, November 18th, I will be up in Toronto um, at the Redwood Theater in Toronto, Ontario, opening uh, for a another artist up there uh, who I'm not extremely familiar with, but I have listened to some of their music. And hold on, I'm trying to bring up the flyer. So I could be professional. <laughs> there we go. I'm back. Oh, it's Tony. Yes. Sorry, oh, about, look at I'm that. So sorry. I was I was like, I felt like the Twilight Zone. It's like, oh, I'm I'm here, guys. A, I'm here. This, I can this hear is not you, a show where I feel like woman. This is not a show. <laughs> right, come on now. Black I, my queen apologies, must be here. I'm so sorry. I'm just glad you're okay. Yeah, no, it's it's the stream yard. Sometimes they shady like that, but it is what it is. We do what we got to do, right? We don't let uh, we don't let nothing stop us uh, from getting the message yeah. through. And your band uh, certainly uh, has a message to tell, David. So thank you so much. Um, Absolutely. And you told us where we can get the album. Oh yeah, so you can also go to uh, to the website where the album is located. Oh, yes, there. it's on have. all streaming platforms, all Apple, Tidal. Um, you could do it on TikTok. We actually have a TikTok challenge coming up soon that we'll be dropping where if somebody can come up with a clever dance for crawfish and jambalaya, uh, oh. we're going to give them $100. Oh. So, I could do the real one. I could do hey. the real one. Hey. Nice. <laughs> it's got to be original dance. It has oh, an right. original dance. So, right. you know, if crawfish and jambalaya has that uh, that uh, <laughs> flavor, you know, Louisiana in it, you know, we're yes. trying to find mm-hmm. second line horn thing. Um Actually, I'll I'll end with that. All right, cool. When we go out, that's what we'll end out with. Yeah, you think? And we're headed to Brooklyn. We're headed to Brooklyn as well. We're supposed to be in Brooklyn in um in May. Oh, okay. Tanya's hometown. That's what's up. Brooklyn, my my original hometown. Yes. Yeah, Brooklyn to Maine. I think we're doing our our album release for the next album, and now you know, in um in New York as well in Williamsburg. Oh, Williamsburg. And and that's going to be during Juneteenth. So. Right. Well, you that's going to be interesting. You know what that area is like, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> but that's going to be interesting anyway. Very nice. A uh, lot of fun venues there. Yeah. I, I want to get I want to get the movers and shakers Lord. together. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think yeah. I saw Lord there and somewhere in Williamsburg. But nice, nice venues. Uh, very nice. I like the closeness of the, the, com- the musical community, shall I say. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thank you, guys. You guys can check David Jonathan out. You see his website. It was up there. <laughs> if you have a question, you can always ask me. Um, and we thank you so much for seeing us. I'm sorry I was frozen for the last 10 minutes. I apologize. But Rich, you held it down. Thank you very much. I appreciate thank it. You. I was uh, and Rich, <laughs> the second. of course, we always appreciate you as well. You're the best co-host thank ever. You. 
and uh, we appreciate you. <laughs> and uh, uh, David, you. you're welcome back here anytime. Yes. Um, we appreciate you so much. And I'm going to end with that song and then end. So you guys can just hang out in the back for a minute. And guys, mm -hmm. I apologize so much. Thank you, viewers, so much for coming back. I appreciate you. And now I'm going to end with this song. Uh, jambalaya, <coughs> excuse me, crawfish and jambalaya as I choke. Okay, hold on. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know. I went from one extreme to the next. Here we go. <laughs> Let's see if I can find it. Let's see. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, ready? Crawfish and Crawfish and Jambalaya. Got a little sample of that, guys. Uh, that's just a little sample. So think of your crawfish and jambalaya dance and check out TikTok. Check out David Jonathan and In the City Bedlam. They are the band um, uh, that you definitely want to eat them. Yes. <laughs> I know. Make me hungry. You know, my mom was family's from Louisiana. So when I hear crawfish, I'm like, crawfish, where? Yeah. And I was so, when he was singing that, I was thinking about you, Tony, because I, I know you got family in Louisiana. So I was like, crawfish in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> you made me hungry. I didn't hear it. I'm like, really? I don't want some seafood. Uh, but thank you, David. You're the best. Absolutely. I appreciate you so much. And um, thank you. Thank you for your gift of music. You are. No, thank you. Thank you for having me on. That's really, I really appreciate it. it. I'm going to get the album. Just give me time and I will get it because I'm over here, over here, over here. So I got to yeah. do things. I know. But, I got uh, you. But, thank you. Thank you for being you, brother. Thanks, yes. man. I appreciate that. And mm -hmm. little teeth too. So hang out for one minute, guys. Thank you, guys, to my viewers. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, we'll have a uh, performing artist, Levi. Uh, um, that's next week, the 29th. Is that the 29th? I believe that's who it is. I got to see the dates. Um, but, but tune in anyway, Sunday, 4 o'clock. We'll see you then, guys. 
One second. Uh, of course, I got to get better at queuing things. Uh, here we go. Hmm. Uh -uh.